Hey, what's going on? Happy New Year, and thank you for tuning in to While We Were Working. It's the show that helps you become better at leading people in your business, whether you're HR or not. I am thrilled that we're kicking off another year together. We are, I guess, going on our third calendar year, although it's been about two years worth of episodes, but you know, when you start in the middle of the year, you have some overlap. Um, and from the start, it's been Summer Ketron, our consulting practice manager. She's our co-host of the show. Super thrilled that she's here. We've got a phenomenal, phenomenal, interesting show for you today. Of course, it's the top of the year, so we've got to talk about the mandatory employment law changes that may be coming to impact your business. And then what do you do about that toxic employee who just won't go away? Well, I'm Joey Price, and we're going to talk about it. But Summer, can you go ahead and jump into while we were working and set us up for a discussion about all these new laws that are coming and impacting us? Of course. Thanks, Joey. And thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Happy New Year. It's another wonderful year of the While We Were Working show. And if this is your first time joining us, the While We Were Working segment is where Joey and I take a look at what's happening in the news. We scour blogs, we read uh, website after website, and we try to come up with a really informative topic that we can talk about on the show. And we know that you may have missed it. Why? Because you are so busy working. And this week's article was actually from a law firm called Maynard Nexon, and they put out a nice little list of uh, preparing for employment changes in 2024. And of course, you know, due to the length of our show, unfortunately, we can't go into a lot of depth on these, but we thought it would be great to just cover the highlights. So maybe if it, uh, if it sounds like it applies to you, then you know that there's uh, something that you'll want to look into. And of course, if you need help with it, your friends here at Jumpstart are always available to support you on a consulting basis to ensure that you're in compliance as well. Yeah, and I'll just even furlough and plug that here because we're going to jump into some things that may or may not apply to you where you are. But that doesn't mean that um, if you don't hear your state, if you don't hear your county, if you don't hear your city, doesn't mean that something isn't changing and we want to help you. So if you go to our website, schedule a 15-minute call at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact, you get to chat with us. And we can give you a rundown of how we can support your team through prepaid consulting hours, rewriting your employee handbook, giving you a fresh start for the new year. And speaking of fresh starts, it looks like OSHA, the Occupational Safety Hazard Act, uh, is having reporting expansion. So it's a fresh start. Uh, starting January 1, 2024, certain employers in high hazard industries with 100 plus employees will have to electronically submit injury and illness data. Now, this one is pretty cool because I love, I always love when government uh, modernizes and gets into the, the 21st century. Um, but but this is incredibly important because many times, and I don't have the paperwork in front of me, but many times when the government says you have to do this, that means they're no longer going to accept the way you've done it before. And so that means not only do you need to comply, but you need to educate, whether it's your manager, whether it's your safety manager, whether it's HR, whether it's your your 
your supervisors. You've got to educate people on how to now comply with OSHA's requirements in the same way that uh, previously in November, Form I-9 changed. We had a training on it. Yep, train you on how to do your Form I-9s because a new one came out and they're no longer accepting the old one or you shouldn't be reforming the old one. So uh, OSHA's got a big change. That's a federal federal thing. And of course, this applies, like we said, to employees uh, at firms that are 100 employees or more. Uh, but some are, there's some some other things on this list too that, that, are, that are really, really big. I feel like this is a, a major year for labor changes. It really is. And... You know, being uh, in the HR space, I keep an eye on these things every year. And it feels like this last year and, you know, essentially this this year that we've uh, we've just entered. There are more significant changes than what I recall happening in a very long time. And. I, I wish that I could understand why, but I do think that many of these changes are actually positive changes. It's just really important, of course, that if they apply to your company or your team members, that you, know, you understand the obligations and um, are are able to manage them. And a big one that we talk about often with our clients are non-competes. Um, Joey, you know, we we work with clients who are oftentimes setting up their handbooks and policies and agreements for the very, very first time. And one of the most common requests I think I get pretty consistently is, well, we've got to have a non-compete. And of course, you know, there's kind of a long conversation that follows that. And it's typically trying to understand what it is that they're looking to accomplish. And also making everybody, you know, that has this desire aware that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of legal action in the pipeline and you know yeah, when yeah when we when we think about non-competes uh the federal trade commission has actually proposed a rule to ban most non-competes and so it's expected that we'll know more come april of this year um it's awaiting a vote and you know we've talked a lot about the national labor relations board and of course you know, they oppose most non-competes and there are specific states like New York, uh, Minnesota, and I, I believe there's also others, uh, but they have, they have their own restrictions as well. And we can't forget good old California. So one of, one of the new laws here in California where I'm at is that employees as of the first of the year uh, are now given the right to sue over non-compete agreements with provisions for attorney fees. And so not only are they no longer permitted, but if if somebody is essentially uh, like still under uh, under an agreement of a non-compete and they're potentially negatively impacted by it, we'll have to see how that plays out in the court because that's just... It's it's a new day, right? Yeah. We don't quite know how that's going to happen. Yeah, and you know this is this is such a big deal. Summer, this idea of uh, the the legal fees for uh, employees, because what is the biggest industry in California, or one of the biggest? Is technology, 
So think about all of those engineers, attorneys, scientists, technical people who know and have all of these trade secrets of the metas of the world, the bioscience firms of the world, the LinkedIn's of the world, and then they can now go wherever they want, right? With uh, and be free to do so, and their prior employer cannot stop. And so I know Summer, you you started this by saying, you know, we work with customers, and they say we gotta have a non compete, we gotta have a non compete. What they're saying is we've got to protect our brand, we've got to protect our secrets, we've got to protect our strategy, and we've got to try to prevent people from leaving us and going to our competitor. Well, California just said, <laughs> I hear you, but check this out. You can't hold people back. So, uh, you know, California, usually as California goes, so does the nation. And as you said earlier, the FTC's proposed the rule ban, um, the banning most non-competes. I expect that from a national political level, uh, candidates may be asked, uh, you know, what are their perspectives on non-competes because there are varying factors in that, right? Um, none of which I would profess to be an expert on. I just know politics do influence labor law quite a bit. So, Summer, I think that, uh, you know, last year's uh, person of the year was uh, Taylor Swift. I think this year's person of the year is already setting itself up to be someone who is either in a non-compete battle or who works for the FTC because this is going to change everything. This is going to change everything. It really is. And and that's why I was glad to see it on the list of things that employers, if they weren't already aware of, need to be aware of and have it on their radar and are thinking about this now because it's definitely going to impact everybody, you know, if this passes on a federal level, but the degree in which it can impact a business varies greatly. Uh, but we do have a couple others that I know we wanted to cover. So Joey, do you want to yeah. take the next one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know, shifting gears quite a bit from employees uh, leaving your organization. Now let's go and talk about employees taking leave so that maybe they can come back healthy, better, stronger, and maybe with a growing family. So you have multiple jurisdictions, uh, some of them, including Minnesota, uh, shout out to Kate Bischoff, uh, employment attorney in, in Minnesota, dear, dear friend, uh, Bloomington, Illinois, and Chicago, who are changing some of their paid leave laws for 2024. Uh, what's happening in Illinois? there's going to have flexible use of paid leave for any purpose. So when we say any, we mean any, but of course, reach out to us. We'll help you read through the government fine print and craft a policy that works for your organization. And then in California, get this summer, uh, like we've got update our handbook too, right? Because the rollover for paid leave is now 20, from 24 hours of rollover to a 40-hour rollover uh, of leave. So effectively for most workers, a full week of paid leave, you can roll it over uh, up to 40 hours as opposed to 24. And I'm not quite certain just off the top of my head or 
uh, based on you know our, our chats if that means you know sick leave pto some combination but if it's sick leave then you definitely want to make sure that you're um, you're, you're allowing your employees to bank that you're uh, updating your payroll software and holding your payroll vendor accountable to make these changes if if they do this automatically uh summer i i said a lot about a lot i think i'm i'm really excited about these but i don't want to monopolize the the conversation on these on these paid leads so is there anything you want to share about about paid leave before we go into the next day i i think i'll just add one thing thanks for that joey and then i'm gonna bundle a couple of other like kind of shorter updates together in one so that we can i still have plenty of time to talk about our exciting topic in consultants corner but yes, in regards to California, that cap um, is also the accrual. So for a number of years, you know, we've had the requirement um, to provide uh, 24 hours, and that's now changed to 40. So it's a pretty big change in regards to mandated sick time, um, pretty big, you know, financial impact to companies, but certainly a huge win for California workers who... Um, you know, would will really benefit from having this paid time off. Moving us right along, um, a couple other updates I just want to make sure everybody's aware of is good old Colorado. Uh, they actually made a change uh, the first of this year, very similar to California, and that is uh, they consider earned, sorry, they consider vacation time um, earned wages. So essentially what that means, if you're listening, is that Previously, there was not a requirement to pay that out upon term, but now there is. Moving us along to cannabis use protections. So Washington State and good old California, again, uh, they now prevent certain employers from discriminating based on off-the-job cannabis use. And I have to say, I did kind of see this coming but I can't help but reflect back, Joey, on how fast it feels like this change. Because it was probably only about maybe four or five years ago that I was working at an organization that did uh, background checks and, and drug testing. And marijuana came up on a lot of the background checks and unfortunately was a disqualifier at that time. And the operations, uh, the VP of operations and I at the time had a conversation about, hey, like, do you think that we can remove this as a disqualifying factor because we're struggling to hire? And at the time I was like, no, I, I don't think so because it wasn't, um, it was only for medicinal use at that point in time. And I said, you know, let's like a really push to keep it. Right. And they did ultimately end up changing it to help improve the hiring. But now to see it as an actual law that you um, you cannot discriminate based off of off the job use. Uh, we've come a long way in a in a pretty short time. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I blink in the conversation of um, medicinal and recreational marijuana is where it is now. I mean. To your point, it, it might have even been in a, in a less progressive place like Maryland, uh, where now there is medicinal recreation as well. Um, 
all of this also similarly happened in like the last five years or so. It's, so it, it's just, it's very interesting to me uh, that we're here after a lot of fighting and, and, and um, passion about this cause and research and study. And it makes me think about the uh, employers who, um, you know, we were talking offline about something separate about bias, right? It, it makes me think about, you know, will will marijuana use be the new the new bias that we have to overcome? Uh, because there are still folks who who believe that it is uh, you shouldn't consume it, whether it's uh, legal or not. And so I believe that'll present its own own challenges, but great opportunities too for training, uh, great opportunities to take a look at your organization's policies, and a great opportunity for um, you to share with your team. I think uh, you know the new laws that are changing and letting your employees have a a, a breath of a, a sigh of relief. Uh, to know that, you know, maybe they don't have to hide or conceal uh, their use um, uh, off all hours. So a lot, a lot of a lot of things changing. Yes, there is. And, you know, on that topic, uh, just the one thing that I wanted to add to it is I can only imagine that some companies that now uh, are required to comply with this are probably a little lost on like, well, how do I, how do I like manage my team members, right? Like what's allowed, what's not allowed now? And like, what can I do and how do I do it? And I think those are great conversations for us to have um, here at Jumpstart. So again, kind of have to uh, give a little plug to if you need help with these types of things. I mean, this is exactly what we're here for. And before we go into Consultants Corner, it wouldn't be uh, a labor law update, Joey, if we didn't chat about minimum wages and, you know, how those change in various cities, counties, uh, and states. So if you have uh, team members in multiple states, it's always a good idea to double, triple check those because when they change, they're typically this time of year. And uh, you want to make sure that you're not uh, finding that out a couple months down the road. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, the other thing about this, too, with the uh, changes to the wages is, you know, there may be someone who is a part of our podcast community, maybe working in a professional services firm, and they're like, we don't pay anyone minimum wage so we don't have to worry about an increase well you know i think you do have to worry about an increase or at least plan for it because as you know economic factors around cost of things your employees consume goes up or even just a competitive landscape for the market uh we talked about this on, on another show uh where you went into wage compression right so so just know that uh, even if it's not directly impacting your organization's payroll, you will need to at least have some conversations around, could this impact our recruiting strategy? Could this impact, uh, you know, raises or cost of living? How, what, what could this do to, to impact, um, you know, our operation? Yes. Always fun 
looking at and chatting about labor law updates. Of course, there's many, many more, uh, but I think oh, so many. Yeah, those those are I think the biggest that showed up on my radar, as well as you know the summarized article. But Joey, are you ready for consultants' corner? You know, I I always love talking about a, a a toxic employee. That that's always fun spot. So yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. Uh, Consulting's corner for you if you are new to the show is where we give you the good, bad, the ugly about life as an HR consultant in the trenches. Uh, who's this for? It's for. Um, non-HR folks who wonder, you know, what, what do we do all day? What does HR do? And why is it, why is it so important? Uh, it's for HR pros who want to, you know, commiserate, learn some challenges and grow and, and have connections with our team. And, you know, it's for business owners, leadership to gain an understanding of what it really and truly takes to create a winning workplace. And so, this week, we, we got a, a letter in from uh, a member of our community and it says, have you ever had an extremely unhappy and maybe even toxic employee on your team? Are you, how, how do you, how do you handle that if you do? Mm-hmm. I don't, of course, they're asking for a friend, right? So, so I will say in, in the in my in my working career i have definitely uh experienced unhappy and toxic employees and i would even say it's fair to say that at one point i was an unhappy maybe toxic employee at a at a place where i can remember calling my mentor every day going on long walks and my mentor he was also an hr he was a career coach he helped get people hr jobs in in the dc area so uh, he's like, I'm like, you gotta get me out of here. <laughs> you gotta get me out of here. You know, they're, they're upset. Like I, I, I'm in school, I'm studying, I'm getting my HR degree. And you know, they're complaining about me having books on my desk. Like, I guess they think I'm doing my homework, but doesn't all of this help them. But anyway, so I, I can, I could start this by saying, yes, at one point I knew I wasn't a good fit for a place where I was working. And, uh, some people arrive at that and they just say, man, I'm not a good fit, but I'm not going to leave. Uh, then some people say I'm not a good fit and I need to find what more is out there for me. Uh, but, but summer, I'm not going to ask you, you know, to, to throw yourself under the bus. I, I will always throw, I'll throw myself under the bus about it, but, um, but 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 what should a what should a boss do? What should an employee do? What should a what should a uh, you know a subordinate do um, if they find that someone they're working with is not only unhappy, but they're freaking toxic? Yeah, it's it's a tough situation, and I I think it's something that likely all companies encounter at one point or another, even if they have the best culture. And I think we could have a whole lineup of shows of like how employees get to that place. And there are so many factors. And I think, you know, I'll start our conversation by just saying that 
you know, sometimes I, I do see companies acting too quickly uh, in this situation and they fire an employee saying, oh, well, we're at will and, you know, not exploring other options. And other times I see companies tolerate that bad behavior much longer than they ever should. And yeah. I don't think that there is really just one way to approach this. And if there's anything that our listeners take away, I hope it is that because I do think that you need to look at the full situation and evaluate the options to determine, like, is there even the possibility of getting everybody back on track? And if that's not possible, like, yeah, there's, you know, there's paths on how to part ways. Uh, but in other cases, there may be a way to get somebody back on track if they're unhappy. And, and really, I know it's not always comfortable, but I do think that having what I call those tough conversations, which is really just open communication, yeah. is the number one thing that we cannot shy away from. Like, this isn't going to fix itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, right. I agree. We need to have those conversations with the team member to understand what what's going on here. And, you know, have that conversation, give the team member an opportunity to say what's bothering them or what's frustrating to them first and foremost. Like, you need to know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I love this sports quote, but I can't even remember who said this. I'll just say Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan says, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so if you are unhappy and bubbling up to the level of toxicity, uh, you know, you should say something. Um, maybe you just have a uh, un, unclear perspective on something or... Maybe your grievances are are valid and they need to, you know, fall on the right ears. Um, and then, of course, if, if you observe that someone is toxic or unhappy or a combination of both, um, you can really earn their trust by uh, asking them to be open about it. Now, um, you know, yeah. So, so I would I would just say, say that definitely start with with open communication i agree great point great call out what else what else do you what else can you yeah i was gonna say in addition to that open communication i think if you're a people leader or a manager even if you're really frustrated perhaps with this team member's behavior it is really important to enter these conversations um coming from an empathetic place and being a very good active listener and to consider that there may be things that you're hearing or learning of that maybe you haven't seen or you weren't aware of. And I, I do think you really need to come from that neutral place of like, yes, this behavior is not acceptable. But if we're going to make any attempts to work towards a possible solution, like as a manager or people leader, I need to be very receptive to what this individual is willing to share because Let's face it, Joey, like they don't have to share anything if they didn't yeah. want to. And, you know, when the possibility presents itself to potentially consider uh, solutions for the concerns that were raised, again, this is on a case-by-case -case basis, but, you know, let's just say that, you know, a team member is really unhappy because, you know, maybe they were 
uh, expecting to do different work than the type of work that they're doing. And they're really bored and they're frustrated and they actually have potential, but we're not tapping into it. Uh, that can, you know, that can result in toxic behavior because they, there's at the end of the day, they're simply not happy. Right. So getting to the root of what those frustrations are and, you know, in cases where, you know, maybe you can transfer them to a different position, maybe you can change their role or uh, maybe even their working conditions. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule any idea off of the table if it's reasonable. Yeah. And I think that's an important part of the conversation too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hit the nail on the head there with, with that one. I think um, the big thing for me is in, in all of this whole process, uh, if I am the person who is, well, I, no, let me backtrack. I, I think this goes both ways. I think um, leading uh, people with empathy uh, for their right to disagree, their right to have an opinion, their right to hold their perspective. Uh, and understanding that like, hey, something has led them to arrive at that point. How do we understand what that was? And is there a path forward? And then even if you are the uh, toxic and unhappy person, uh, this may sound weird to say, but even having empathy to just realize like, hey, maybe not everybody shares the same um, thoughts or beliefs or perspectives, but I have to not let that get in the way of being a, uh, as good a person for the organization as I can be. Uh, I think empathy is, is incredibly important with that whole, with that whole piece. It, it really is. And I, I do think that it's important that we also cover, you know, we, we've discussed the scenario where you have a team member who's willing to have this open conversation where they're willing to share and, there is the possibility to explore options, but it doesn't always go that way, does it, Joey? Nope, not at all. We've seen some sideways <laughs> conversations. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the the other direction that these conversations may take where, you know, it's very clear that there's not going to be any reasonable working out of this situation and that the the real option is that it's time to break up. It's time to go our separate ways for everybody's best interest. And it's okay if that's where it lands. But again, that conversation needs to be had instead of allowing it to continue. And so, you know, if you find yourself there, I, I think having like crafting a plan, um, kind of a departure plan for a team member to, um, to depart on the most favorable terms for the team member and the company uh, is the best thing that you could do, right? Joe, you always like to say, and I love this term, like give somebody a soft landing. Yeah. And I think that's such a great analogy because it's like, just because you're leaving a company doesn't mean that it has to be, um, it, it doesn't have to feel, um, it, it doesn't have to feel so intense. Like there's a way to do it to where I think a team member would, you know, for the most part, be happy that they're, you know, kind of set on their way in a way that allows them to pursue something else that they can be happier with. 
and that yeah. you know the company is able to move forward too. I know we're we're like way over time, uh, so I won't belabor super much, super long there. Uh, the one time a mentor explained to me the idea of of career transition being about liberation, and you could use it tongue in cheek, but honestly, you could use it to say, yeah, like summer. I have left jobs where I, I like I agonized there, and then I went and something better happened. Right, that's usually how the story goes. And so, you know, um, for that toxic, unhappy person, like if if, if that if the idea is finding the best thing for you, that could be taking the risk, liberating yourself, and then finding your happily ever after. Right. Uh, so so yeah, it's um I I hope that everyone gets a soft landing. It's not always possible, but yeah, I hope I hope so. And I hope everyone finds their the happy ending. Yes, I love that. And uh it's been a really great show. I know we had so much to cover today, but I I really, you know, I appreciate the listeners sticking around to, you know, participate and and hear our thoughts on these things. Joey, was there anything you wanted to wrap up our show with? Um, no, I, I think I, I definitely want to um, impress upon the fact that when the clock strikes the top of the year, laws change. And you've got to know that you're, you've got friends at Jumpstart who want to make sure you're protected, want to make sure that you're uh, trained, uh, that you feel confident, you feel good about going into the new year with uh, fresh and updated policies and procedures. So we can chat at jumpstart-hr.com slash contact. And then if you ever want to reach out and give a story or question or thought for Consultants Corner, you can reach out to us at hello at jumpstart-hr.com and we'll get your question, comment on the show. So summer, great start to the year. And I hope that you have a great time with your endeavors for the rest of the week and until next time see you next week thanks joey thanks everyone all right see ya